please remain standing for the reading of God's word from the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning with verse 32. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were fearful. And again he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him. He said, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, and spit on him, and scourge him, and kill him. And three days later he will rise again. And James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Kind of a loaded question. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant that we may sit, one on your right and one on your left, in glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. And calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentile lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them, but this is not to be the way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It's an interesting time in the life of Jesus because his disciples knew that there had been trouble in Jerusalem before and they were very nervous about going back to Jerusalem. They didn't want to do it. And even in Mark 9, there is a passage where um, they were going to Capernaum and it's, it talks about, it's actually in verses 30 through 42, um, kind of an interesting conversation. Let me just read it quickly. From there they went out and began to go through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know about it, for he was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask him. So they came to Capernaum, and when, he was, when they were in the house, he began to question them, What were you discussing on the way? And they didn't want to tell him because they had been discussing who was the greatest. And I think if you worked in a kindergarten class or whatever, it would be who is the boss. You know, have you ever heard you're not the boss of me? Well, it's alive and well. If you haven't heard it recently, you've just been in the wrong place. So they were silent. I bet they were. Sitting down. He called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he is to be last of all and servant of all. And taking a child, he set him before them. And taking him into his arms, he said to them, 
Whoever receives a child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive only me, but him who sent me. So I think it's important to to think and realize the disciples were, I think it's safe to say they were on a totally different page than what Jesus was. He was clearly saying, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be resurrected. And they did not get it because their plan was for him to, to overthrow the Romans and be the leader of their world. And so it was almost like two completely different worlds they were talking about. They were talking about, okay, we don't like the Romans, we don't want them to be here, whatever, the Messiah's going to throw them out, and we will all be the boss. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to die. And that was not in their plan. And that was not what they wanted. And he was talking about service. And they were talking about, can we sit on your right or your left? You know, and he's, he's walking to Jerusalem knowing he's going to die, and they're talking about who would be the greatest. And so it's kind of a, a, a tremendous example of differences. It very much was an understanding of, of weighing worldly expectations versus spiritual expectations. What the disciples and what people wanted him to do was not going to be what happened but something far more significant for the entire world was going to happen. And so I think it's important to look even in our day, the differences between power on this earth and serving and the differences that can mean in lives. And certainly we have seen that example in Houston with the, with the catastrophic devastation going on there and people going down to serve and to help and literally pull people out of water some even pulling cats out of water. Um, I will admit to you that I sort of smiled. Everybody knows that Mark is a hunter, you know, and he goes and hunts. And yet pulling that cat out of the water and the cat, you know, scratched him and he's in the hospital getting IVs and all that kind of stuff. And um, it just kind of crossed my mind. <laughs> anyway, obviously the cat had a good day, you know, in being saved. And we pray for Mark. And I think Zach's out of the hospital. Is he out of the hospital? So those guys left their jobs and went down to Houston and spent time wading in water that was filthy, trying to help people. Certainly, and, and that act of service was just repeated again and again and again. So what is the spiritual power of service? What is the spiritual impact of that? And if Jesus gave that example literally in laying down his life, washing the disciples' feet, even then, uh, knowing what was going to happen, disciples were still thinking that he was going to rule and reign in an earthly kingdom. And Jesus knew it was far more significant to rule and reign in a spiritual kingdom, in the kingdom of God. So uh, today we're going to look a little bit at service and we're going to look at uh, kind of a summary of the Made to Thrive series um, and how important that all is. So I think we're going to see a video right now of Mary Ann Clayton sharing some thoughts and then uh, we have a little bit more to talk about. What makes me tick? What makes me happy? I serve a risen savior. He's in the world today. I live in America. And while we're on the subject, I live in Texas. I was cherished by a good father and a very good husband. I was married for 48 years. 
and last four years of my marriage were spent taking care of my husband with cancer. Lewis asked me when he was dying, he says, well, what are you going to do when I'm gone? And I gave him a few examples. He says, well, I guess you're going to fill my house up with a bunch of those crazy church people. And I said, well, that's probably right. And I decided at that point in my life that it was time to spend more time with the Lord, enjoying my church, enjoying my friends at church. So every opportunity I invite girls over, we, we quilt, we cook. I'm, I'm expanding my horizon. I have not had a chance to meet the young people in this church. But when the opportunity presented itself, I went to a retreat here and uh, met all the young girls, sat at a table with Sally Miller. She and I sat there entertaining the young girls, telling teacher stories. We both are retired school teachers. The girls had no idea how rowdy it got in the teacher's lounge. But anyway, take advantage of the retreats. Take advantage of going to lunch. You might want to go out to lunch with some of the people in your class or some people that you've not had a chance to get to know before. I am so thankful for that opportunity. In the last two years, I have done quite a bit of cooking. We have a wonderful bereavement committee in this church and they cook for funerals. And I have an opportunity to cook for people that are coming out of the hospital I like to call myself the soup lady. We have all kinds of great opportunities here at the church, and you can sit down while you're doing it. That's one of the best things. But don't use being older, hurting, for an excuse to not do anything. Don't say, I hurt. We all hurt. I hurt. But you hurt in your recliner. So hurt doing something for somebody. And the more you do for someone else, the less you worry about how you feel. Either bake a cake or buy a cake. Cook a meal or buy a meal. Go to Boston Market. Go see someone in the hospital. Send someone a card. Serve the Lord with a loving spirit. Let people know that you serve a risen Savior. Rejoice in the Lord. A lot of people say, I never have an opportunity to witness. If you smile, if you laugh out loud, if you share something joyful with someone, doesn't actually have to be church, but it could lead into a conversation. People say, uh, well, what are you doing? Where, where are you going? What do you do for fun? I said, well, Church is a big priority in my life, and I enjoy reading and quilting. Get with a group of gals that like to do those things, or a group of guys, and spend some time laughing and sharing things. You don't have to work in order to share the Lord. Let it come from within. Be open for growth. Be open for opportunities. We have many classes here. We have Wednesday night classes, Tuesday night classes. And if you want to, teach. But uh, don't fail to get involved because you think, well, it's time for me to retire. 
you don't know you might live 20 more years. I have family members that are sweet and wonderful and love the Lord, but they'd rather not. They would rather just sit, and that's okay too. But they're always warning me that I need to slow down. No, I don't want to slow down. I want to do and have fun doing. understanding this when Marianne and Sally were at that table in, at the women's retreat and they were telling stories that uh, those might be stories you might want to ask about or whatever just a thought you know if you want to do that I think they were really entertaining the troops so to speak a couple of thoughts about serving and giving I mean we've we all have heard about that I'm not giving you something brand new information or whatever but I think it's important just to kind of think about a few things in regard to that I think it's important when we have opportunities like that or, or just in general in our prayer life, maybe we need to just ask God, what would he want us to do? I think sometimes I'm pretty good at saying, I don't know that I want to do that. And I'm not so good at saying, God, what do you want me to do? And sometimes when it's something he wants me to do, it's a stretch for me. And that's not a bad thing. And I'm guessing for you it's not a bad thing either. Obviously, we need to be careful about not overextending. We need to be careful about not doing too much. But there is a great deal to do for the Lord in this place and outside of these doors as well. With giving and serving, I think a critical thing is, do we trust him to take care of us? Do we just trust him? Many of you heard Robert's testimony several weeks ago, um, and, and it came down to, for me, um, God, I need you. I need you. I mean, there were not eloquent prayers. God, help us. Help us. And, and as Robert said, his very name is God with us. Would they have put it in the Bible if it wasn't true? He is with us. So what he calls us to do and how he takes care of us is really phenomenal. It's amazing, his care and his faithfulness. I get it, things happen. I get it. But God is faithful, even in the midst of evil, even in the midst of destruction or catastrophe. God is faithful. Are we willing to be that intimate with him that we can talk to him about in everything, anything? Are we really, really willing at that point in our prayer life to talk to him about everything? And the clue is he knows it, you know. It's like, okay, if something's going on in my head, and I don't mean it, he knows it in a creepy way, but he cares for us. He cares for us. And even as we would care for young children, and even as Jesus gave the example of take care of the children, and this is what the kingdom of God is about. Oh my goodness. Can we see the importance of that and the significance of that? The greatest gift, the greatest act of service was what Jesus did on the cross. And it looked like a complete failure to the world. And, and probably to the disciples until the resurrection. And even then some of them struggled to believe it. He laid down his life completely completely 
and certainly we also know of acts of sacrifice, uh, certainly in history, um, even in the situation in Houston. People that were trying to go to help and lost their lives in the process of doing that. Oh my goodness, it just seems like it is so important to ask the Lord, what would you have me do in this season of my life? What would you have me give in this season in life? And it doesn't necessarily, I mean, giving can be serving, it can be financial, it can be prayer, it can be so many things. A scripture in Luke that I read uh, years and years ago, um, Luke 6, and the, chap- the verse is verse 38, and it's, it's sort of like in Luke's series of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus said in those passages, you know, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, you know, it wasn't like if you decide to maybe. You know, the way he said it was stated that way. And it's, it's, I know people sometimes get hung up on the 10% thing, on the, and I get that. Um, I think God wants to give us so much more. And, and we get hung up on, well, you know, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do this. I found myself in a place of complete and total dependence on God and not knowing how it was going to end. And really fearful many days when Robert was in such a bad place that we would be having a funeral in this sanctuary. It was that bad. I'm not exaggerating. And yet God, just crying out, God, heal my kids. God, you are faithful. And it was a process. It wasn't an instant. I mean, instant is wonderful, right? But, but some of the best words I heard during that season was someone saying, it's a process. When there are deep wounds, it's a process. It's not in an instant that, that healing is going to happen. That's what I wanted. I wanted the pain to go away from my son. That wasn't what happened, but God was faithful in every step of the way. He was faithful financially every step of the way. And I think so often we look at our little box and we think of what we can do and people get off on the 10%. I know a missionary and he is elderly now and his life goal was to be able to live on 10% and give away 90. And he did it. And, and the gifts just flowed to him because he was a man of integrity and it went to the right places. He took care of people. He took care of the church. He took care of missionaries. He took care of the poor. And his house was nice. It wasn't elaborate, but I was expecting to walk into you know, whatever. And it was not, God took care of him. And sometimes we so focus on, well, I've got to have this and I've got to have this and I've got to have this, like we don't have a heavenly father that takes care of us. And I get being responsible. I get it. And I get it when people are unemployed. I, I get that. I've walked that road. God is faithful. So far beyond what we could ever think or imagine. So with this series on the road to thriving or stories that you've heard about thriving, and all of those involved struggle. All of those involved some type of heartache or some type of difficult circumstance. It's, if you live very long on this earth, you're not going to get past that. But just kind of some thoughts about that. And if you're not at a place right now where you feel like you're thriving, and I get that, I understand that. But just some thoughts about that. Again, just a reminder, it is a process. It's a process. So if you're in a place where you're having to 
walk through something, um, God is faithful in the process. Sometimes the road to thriving, and I know this sounds ridiculous, I said it one time to someone and they literally laughed, but sometimes the road to thriving is making the decision to get out of bed in the morning and get ready for the day. Sometimes the depression can be so deep or the situation can be so overwhelming that, that doing that is the biggie of the day, and yet God is faithful. And if you're there, that's what you do, and then you do it again, and you do it again. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. And if you're in that place, if you need to talk to someone, talk to someone. We all need help. <laughs> we all need help. I needed help. And this church was amazing. Other people were amazing in that process. Sometimes people not even knowing what they were saying. But it was so led of the Lord. It was amazing. Lastly, I would say, and certainly this is not an exhaustive list, but I would say don't stay in unforgiveness because it will eat your lunch or dinner or whatever. It will eat your spirit. We decide to forgive. Forgiveness is a decision. It is not an emotion. And forgiveness does not mean what happened was right. Forgiveness means this is my choice of obedience that I'm going to do what God has told me to do. And so we forgive. In all of these situations, uh, I mentioned Robert and his situation, and, and y'all heard that about a month ago, Chiv, and just uh, the amazing thing that God has done with Shiv being obedient to go back to Cambodia when he didn't want to go, and Imra for sure didn't want him to go. Imra thought she was saying goodbye to him, right? I mean, um, you know, so, and did he have any idea God would do what he has done in Cambodia? For Corinne and Dante, as a single mom, going to Germany, and going to Germany four times, you know, amazing. And the ministry that has gone on there and the encouragement and the service. And for Dante to be the one to sometimes say, you know, Mom, we've got we've to focus on God here. You know? Amazing story. Chad talking about his struggles, especially as a young man when his mother died. And, and how in all of that, encountering God in such a supernatural way, changing his life changing his life that we love the Lord our God with all our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength for Marianne talking about serving when she was at a place in life for much of her life where her husband really didn't want that and or didn't want those crazy Christian people in his house but when that was changed she opened her doors and she's always bringing food up here and, you know, a lot of times when there's some type of covered dish, uh, people are making a beeline to the dessert table if Marianne's made dessert. Suzanne had certainly been in that boat as well. You know, they make these desserts and people skip the main course and just go for dessert. I think probably it's a spiritual thing. They're concerned the rapture may happen, you know, and they want to get the dessert in before, right? So in, in thinking about all these lives, I was thinking that what, sitting at my desk and like, you know, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? I kept getting the word exceedingly abundantly. And that's from a passage in Ephesians 3. 
And in some translations, it, it says it a little bit differently. But let me read that passage to you because it's, it's pretty important. It's talking about Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. That would be you and me, unless, of course, you were Jewish. Um, Paul's message to the Gentiles and the struggle that it was and all the different things that he has done. But in all these lives and, and in stories that you have that, that maybe you did not tell on the screen or, or on the stage, but in all these lives, how God worked in remarkable ways, amazing ways. And I don't think it's because of the people, with all due respect to the people, but it's because of God and what he does in our lives. And sometimes it's a situation where you're just crying out to him because you don't know what else to do. And that would have been me. And yet, and yet, how God had worked. I don't think Chiv had any idea on that first trip to Cambodia that God would do what he has done. I think it was exceedingly abundantly beyond what he could ask or think. And I think that's for all of us. I don't think God is just going, okay, I'll do you, you, you. I think, he, I think he wants to do that for all of us. Let me read the scripture. <clears throat> Paul, Paul is saying, and he's talking about ministry. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God, that his love is so great we can't even begin to understand it. And sometimes I feel like I'm standing out with a teacup saying, Lord, fill my cup. And sometimes I feel like he's saying, I want to give you a swimming pool. And I'm out there with my teacup. You know, sometimes we're the ones that limit God. Three years ago, I would never, never have dreamed Robert could be where he is today. And there are still good days and bad days. And this week was a bad day, but he had gone to counseling. He knew how to handle it. He knew how to cope. And he did okay. He did okay. So just saying that God does far more than what we ask or dream. Scripture says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, which is the Holy Spirit, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. In other translations, it says, the, the Amplified talks about the word think now to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. The Amplified says, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. Infinitely beyond your greatest Prayers or hopes or dreams is what God is wanting to do in you and in the church. Another version says that he would do far more than we would ask or even dream of. 
infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. That he operates exceedingly abundantly on your behalf, on my behalf. And so my question for all of us today is, do we get it? (laughs) Are you like me holding out a teacup? When maybe he wants to fill your swimming pool. May we widen our hearts to be able to receive all that he has for us. And may we be able to function in, in that in this day. As we think about Made to Thrive, it's also for the church, for this church. You know, even as we have known people, and many of you have similar stories where God has been faithful. What are your dreams for this church? What are your hopes and desires for this place? And how we minister then beyond. It's not just about us. And we all know that. We're very involved in local mission and and mission around the world. Very involved in wanting to get to our neighborhoods. But what would be God's desires in that? And how do we play a part? It's not often that he just does a zap and things happen. I mean, sometimes they do. I haven't seen it very often. May we understand for this place. And and may we pray collectively. Lord, what would you have us do? And how can we best be faithful in this place to our neighborhoods and around the world? Lord, in our lives where things look hopeless, and I get that, and I don't say it lightly, And there were days and months and months and months I could not even pray out loud in front of Robert. There were days that I could, he couldn't even be near me or his sister. It was just too raw. It was a process. And days were hard. And there were times that looked desperate. God was faithful. And faithful when I could not even be in his presence. Imagine that. God could work in ways beyond me. You know, I know that's a joke, y'all. That's not. The Bible says in Luke 6, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. You know, I don't want to hold out a teacup when God is saying, I have so much more. I want to be able to, to widen that and trust him that, that he understands where, where we are individually. He understands where we are as a church, but that his plan is so much more, so much more. For the disciples, by the power of the Holy Spirit, when they, um, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And they did that and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The disciples went to their, their world. They covered the world they had. They covered first century all the areas. And almost all of them were martyrs. Doesn't sound real pleasant, does it? They served. He trusted them with the gospel and they took it to their world. And just as we trust God, he also trusts us to be in ministry and to take the gospel. 
It's such a critical thing. Oh, that we would understand the love of God. Oh, that we would begin to have a clue what he wants to do. It doesn't matter your age. God doesn't have a chart, you know, on ages. I think he, he wants to know that we love him and trust him.